This was the week the Gableman report finally came out. And we've we had reverb and post. Yeah, just we 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 we'll sell you the whole seat, but you'll only be the edge. Welcome to Wisconsin in Focus. I'm Cole McNeely, General Manager of America's Talking Network. Wisconsin in Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. You can listen to Wisconsin in Focus and all of our podcasts at americastalking.com. That's americastalking.com. Now here's your host, Bruce Walker. Thanks, Cole, and welcome to Wisconsin in Focus. I'm Bruce Walker, Midwest Regional Managing Editor for the Center Square. Wisconsin in Focus is brought to you by America's Talking Network. If you're tired of the divisive rhetoric coming from echo chambers in our country today, America's Talking Network has been made for you. America's Talking Network is a new podcast hub where you can find news, civil conversations, and all of the Center Square podcasts. The only agenda that America's Talking Network has is to get America talking again. Go to americastalking.com to check out all of their podcasts. Once again, that's americastalking.com. We're recording this podcast on Thursday, March 3rd. And speaking of civil conversation, joining me today is Ben Yount, the Center Square's Wisconsin correspondent. Hello, Ben. I'm glad you said civil and not cereal because I haven't eaten quite yet. And so in addition to being a bad speller, I'm, I'm sort of a chubby guy. So if it was cereal conversation, I'd have to say, well, are we talking about the same thing over and over again? Or are we talking about Fruit Loops versus Corn Pops versus Lucky Charms? And I got to tell you, I'm so thoroughly disappointed. I don't know if you know this, Bruce. The Fruit Loops all taste the same. I don't know it's if this true. was what it was when it's we true. were kids. But they, they're all the same flavor. It doesn't matter if it's the red one or the orange one or the green one. They all have the same Fruit Loop flavor. And so it's the know, same I, with M&Ms, Ben. I know now, as, as you get to be my age, you learn some of life's, life's hard truths. If, if you want to fall down the rabbit hole, I separate out all of my colored candies by color. Like if, I, if I eat Skittles. I will separate them out by individual color, and then I will eat them from the the largest group to the smallest. Usually, I eat the I eat the greens, the oranges, and the yellows first, and then I save the reds and the purples for the end. I do the same thing with my M and M's. All M and M's taste the same. It's not like you know with Skittles, at least you know you eat the green ones because they taste green, and you eat the red ones because they taste red. With with M and M's, they all taste the same. The, the peanut butter ones are peanut butter. The chocolate ones are chocolate. The peanut are peanut. But I, 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 it is one of the few OCD things that I do. But I separate them out by color every single. People will watch me break them into little sort of color piles and then shift them around to make sure they're in even lines. And then I will eat my I will eat my M and M's based on color. Are you sure? Lar- does, largest I, number to smallest number. Are you sure this just doesn't harken back to your days as a roadie for Van Halen? <laughs> no, I was not in charge of putting speakers 60 feet in the air. I just I, I it is something that I I also don't like for my food to touch. Like if I could get one of those sort of you remember the the the, the Tyson yes. uh, frozen turkey dinner, the hungry man dinner plates. I would I eat out of one of those every single day. Food, you know, food just in its own little separate container. But this is okay. again, this is this is a whole other the, the, the podcast of Ben Young's eating picadillos is just a whole <laughs> other series, which I'm sure we can probably find over at America's Talking Network, because, you know, as, as we say every week when we sit down to do this, you put a quarter in the jukebox, you're listening to the whole sto- you're listening to the whole song. Darn tootin'. But here's the here's the deal. If you want something that is different colors and different flavors, there's always runs. So there's that. Yes. And, 
and chewy and having, runs are good. Yeah, and having said that, let's let's move into this uh, away from this tomfoolery and into the hardcore Wisconsin news. And at the top of the list, I got to tell you, it's my favorite topic to deal with Wisconsin. And I'm just going to pull the string and let you go talk about Wisconsin elections. Yeah, this was this was the week, kind of, kind of, kind of. The Gableman report finally came out, and we've we've been we've been writing about. Can, this can we add reverb and post? Yeah, just yeah, we, we 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 kind of. Kind, <laughs> we'll sell you the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. That kind of that kind of week here. Uh, we tried to add it up. We've been writing about the Gableman investigation at least monthly, if not weekly. Uh, since September of last year, it kicked off last July. So what is that, like eight months, nine months that we have been building towards this? And the the, the report came out from former Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Mike Gableman. He, he is he is the, the, the special elections investigator. He is the head of the office of the special election investigation. Uh, he's the former Supreme Court justice. He is sort of the, become the man looking into what happened with the 2020 presidential election. And as, as we've written about a lot here at the center square, the focus really narrowed over those eight months. And, and if you remember back to the day after election day here in Wisconsin, there were a lot of questions about whether Joe Biden actually got the 20,000 votes that he won by and, and were, were, were ballot boxes stuffed. There were you know, pauses in the count in Milwaukee and where did all of these votes come from and how all of a sudden did Joe Biden win? And over the course of the investigation, it focused in on, I'd say, probably three different areas. The biggest is 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 the Zuckerbucks, this nearly nine million dollars that Mark Zuckerberg and his wife gave to Obama's former political guy, David Pluff, to create this thing called the Center for Tech and Civic Life, which was ostensibly a coronavirus inspired get out the vote effort. The Gableman investigation and, and the details in this report show that it went way beyond that. It went way beyond that. It used the millions here in Wisconsin to worm its way in, weasel its way in, buy its way in to election operations in the five largest cities, which happen to be the five most democratic cities. And those cities still haven't answered any questions. The other big thing is the the, the, the use of absentee ballots. And this, this covers both drop boxes and the indefinitely confined voters here in Wisconsin. And there are 40,000 of them that didn't show voter ID. Indefinitely confined is supposed to be for people who cannot leave where they are to vote. This would be nursing home residents, mainly people who are sick, people who are in a wheelchair, people who can't leave either their home or their hospital bed in order to vote. They still get to vote. The Gableman investigation went into great detail there. The third focus of the Gableman report is how the Wisconsin Elections Commission, the, the sort of state agency that oversees all of the local clerks, handled questions about Wisconsin's election laws heading into the November 2020 election. And while the Gableman report didn't really break any new ground, I mean, again, we already knew what he was looking at. The details, as, as, as they say online now, he brought the receipts and he goes into 
detail, individual emails. He went and interviewed some of these elderly voters who cast a ballot for the first time in years in November of 2020. He talked to them on, on, on videotape. He, he went and he laid out what he calls an election bribery scheme against the Zuckerberg five cities, Milwaukee, Madison, Green Bay, Racine and Kenosha. And, and his report is, is a damning indictment of the Wisconsin Election Commission, either ignoring state law or giving guidance to local election officials on things like ballot drop boxes or collecting of ballots that clearly were never intended by lawmakers when they wrote the law or just the way that the, the Elections Commission used its bureaucracy to exploit loopholes. The best example there is that the Elections Commission is a board. There, there are six commissioners, three Republicans, three Democrats. You then have, as most government agencies do, you have a professional staff. And the staff really does 90% of the legwork. But in order for the commission to actually issue guidance or to to change the law or to move forward officially, there has to be a, a majority vote. Four have to vote yes. Throughout 2020, the election commission was nodded 3-3, and that left ambiguity. If there was a question and the staff would issue a recommendation, the commission would have to vote yes or no in order to approve it or shoot it down. And because there was not a 4-2 vote at all on, on many of these questions for, for the 2020 election, the, the staff recommendations just sort of went forward. This, is, this was one of the points that Gableman made, that there's nothing in Wisconsin law that says you can use a ballot drop box. Lawmakers didn't address it because lawmakers didn't think they had to. Well, the Elections Commission took the lack of specificity in state law to mean, well, it, there's nothing in the law that says you can't do this. So sure, go ahead. And Gableman went down several times, time after time, after time, after time, as I get an, uh, a reminder to do something on my computer, uh, time after time, after time, after time, the Elections Commission used that ambiguity in order to bend if not break, according to Gableman, the state's election laws. And th this is this was the tone of his report that there were a lot of things done that certainly weren't right, may not be illegal. The most damning piece of evidence out of the Gableman report was when he went and he looked at a couple of hundred nursing homes in, again, Milwaukee, Madison, Dane County, uh, Green Bay, Racine, Kenosha. And the nursing homes that he investigated had 100 or, or, or nearly 100 percent turnout among these elderly voters. Now, uh, unless you're in Saddam's Iraq, nobody gets 100 percent voter turnout, not even not even in this this election in November where you saw a huge voter turnout, but it wasn't 100 percent. And Gableman then when followed up with many of these these voters. Turns out that that some of them were, were were incapacitated. Some of them had dementia so bad that they didn't know where they were. Families were coming forward to the Gableman investigators saying, look, my, my grandmother, my mother, my aunt, my, my so-and-so voted in the 2020 election. There's no possible way she voted. She, she's, she's incompetent. Someone must have voted for her. And, you know, the, the, the Democratic response to this was not to address the specifics of the report 
it was to attack Gableman as a Republican partisan hack. It was to attack the 600 something thousand dollars that this has been spent on. Governor Evers called it a circus. The mayor of Madison, who, by the way, has never sat down to answer the questions that Gableman has posed to her about how her city worked with the Zuckerberg companies. She said that, well, this guy clearly doesn't know how elections work. And so we finally got the report that we've been waiting for. And it went into great detail about the questions that we already knew. And yet at the end of the day, very next day, we had state rep state representative Janelle Branchin, who's been leading an investigation. And the, the folks over at the Thomas More Society say, yeah, this, this is an over. We're, we're going to continue with the investigation. We've got a lot more questions to answer. We, we've, we've, got, we've got evidence, but we don't quite yet have proof. And so we finally got the investigation into, we got the report on the investigation into the 2020 election, and it's not over yet. Yay. <laughs> well okay let's let's move along but uh thank you that was pretty incisive and uh i think you kind of blended together about six months of writing that you've done well actually more than a year of writing that you've done on this thus far so uh there's this is this is this is like with these coronavirus stories for the day-to-day stuff i don't know what i'm going to do when i don't have a how many people are in the hospital or how many people have been vaccinated the entire news media in in wisconsin and across the country for two years we've had a go-to story Uh, for for two years it's well uh, we need we need another 30 seconds in the newscast oh go go check the latest vaccine numbers okay cool 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 once once all that goes away i if, if the election investigation goes away, Bruce, what am I going to write? I mean, you're going to ex- expect me to actually do real journalism? Well, you, do, <laughs> you could always be a, a, a cheese critic. Well, the, the World Cheese Championships are coming to Madison and they're streaming it online. So if you really want to, we can we can we can get out some popcorn. We're not going to be able to watch FIFA games in Russia, but we can certainly watch the International Technical Cheese Championships from Madison, Wisconsin. Count me. <laughs> in that sounds sublime okay let's let's move along the lines here there is a marquette law school poll that said uh, most wisconsin voters are unsure about the candidates as in they don't know who's running and what they're running for come this november which doesn't terribly surprise me i live here in michigan and uh, people are always asking me, hey, you got your finger on the pulse. Who's running and who's the front runner for uh, this office or that office or the other? And I'm saying. I report on it when the season actually starts. <laughs> yeah. And uh, to me, it's it's like covering baseball. So um, anyway, so they don't know about the candidates, but I think more telling from this is that they think the state is on the wrong track. Yeah. Yeah, this this is the the Charles Franklin and his crew over at the Marquette Marquette Law School poll. They they do a phenomenal job, and their polls are are usually pretty spot on. Uh, this is not one of these push poll outfits that you know you, you'll get these emails from campaigns. New poll shows candidate X surges fifteen points, and it's like, no, well, you just ask it. Hey, have you heard the great things about our candidate? Isn't he awesome? The Marquette Law School poll is a trusted gold standard poll here in Wisconsin. And you're exactly right, Bruce. The, as much as much as this poll showed some insight, and there's lots of good stuff in there. We'll, we'll get to the education stuff in there here, here in a second. This is one of these reminders 
to guys like me who write about this, who talk about this, who this is my sphere. A good third of my email are updates from these people. My texture. Hey, we're going to be over in Oconto County on Sunday. Uh, any chance you can want to come by and do an interview? And it's like, uh, I'm, and I'm driving to Oconto for any of this. You can just scratch that off the list. If you're not in and around the wild counties. I, now, look, you go to door County in the summer. I'm fine. I'll try and squeeze a trip in there. You go to the Dells, maybe. Uh, but I'm, I'm not driving all the way up to the Northwoods to, 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 to do anything. But this is a reminder that, that yes, you're right. Most people aren't paying attention. Most voters in Wisconsin, this is not an indictment of them. This is not, oh, look at these lazy voters. It's March. Election March. Day is in November. It's March. Can, and there's all there's also political fatigue. Yeah. I mean, we're 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 covering Ukraine, we're covering uh the State of the Union, we're the responses to that, and the Durham report and all of the things that are coming out right now. And uh November might as well be, you know, 10 years away. Yeah. Yeah, it, well, it, more people are talking about you know the, the 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 late start for baseball, but this this report does show a couple what? of things. It, it, it should, yeah, well, I have I had opening day tickets, so let's let's not fall down that rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> this, this report shows, and I think that I think that it's either the headline that I wrote or, or the lead that I wrote that, that the candidates have work to do because they've got to introduce themselves to the voters. Only Rebecca Clayfish, who is a former lieutenant governor, and she is right now the front runner with a question mark in the Republican race for governor. Only she's the only one who has 50 percent name recognition. Half the state knows who she is. Nobody else knows who any of these people are. Kevin Nicholson, unknown to 80 percent of Republican voters. Tim Ramthan, who is the new entry, the, the sort of, you know, recall the electors candidate, uh, 86% of people don't know who he is. And in order to improve their name recognition, they're going to need to spend millions of dollars on television commercials, and they're going to need to do it soon. The Democratic race for U.S. Senate is a crowded field. There's like 10 people running. The front runner in that is the current lieutenant governor, Mandela Barnes. But the poll says 62% of voters in this state, nearly two-thirds, don't know who this guy is. Uh, 73% of voters have never heard of the second place candidate, Alex Lassery. His dad owns the Bucks and he spent some money because again, you know, he's got billionaire cash behind him. He spent some money on YouTube and every single one of his commercials is just a, a, a flood of union badges who support him. And then shots of Pfizer forum where the Bucks play, where he and his dad helped build that stadium. And so that that's the entirety there. Now, the primary is in August and, you know, primaries, particularly in August primary is probably not going to get a huge turnout. But yeah, they have some work to do if they want to connect with voters by November. When you get down to the issues, the issues are interesting. And we have seen the numbers almost essentially flip when it comes to right track wrong track is as, as we, we we wrote in the story 53% of people in the state of Wisconsin now say that we are on the wrong track that's almost uh, it's that's almost a, a flip from where we were the last time that the Marquette Law School poll picked this when 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 57% of people said that the, the state was in the wrong the right direction you know in January of 19 right right after Tony Evers took office 57% said we're on the right track 33% said we're on the wrong track Flash forward now, 39% say the state is on the right track and 
is say we're we're on the the wrong track. And and this this is obvious. You know, inflation, gas prices. There, there is just this this national sense of of to to borrow the Jimmy Carter term malaise. Uh, this is this is not necessarily great news for Tony Evers. Uh, although the thirty nine percent who say the state is on the right track differs because his approval ratings are almost fifty percent. So as of yet, Republican voters, independent voters in Wisconsin, are not fully blaming Tony Evers for the problems of the state. But you know, go out on the street corner and ask, and there are a lot of people who aren't happy with the way things are here in and around the city of Milwaukee or Madison or, or wherever in the beautiful dairy land you live. Okay. So that takes us to the education issues that uh, were brought up in that poll and, and elsewhere. Yeah, this is, this is somewhat of a surprise only in the sense that this tracks the difference that if you've been paying attention to school boards, if you've been reading nationally, if you've been reading, you know, Center Square in, in Wisconsin, you know that over the past year or so, parents have become increasingly frustrated with public schools. Schools closed down. Kids came home. Parents got a good look at just what their kids were learning or, or more to the point, weren't learning. And that frustration has only grown as schools continued to change the rules for masks or remote learning. You've seen the mommy revolt, as it's been called. Parents going to school boards and essentially being brushed off or worse, being arrested or, or, or treated as domestic terrorists. And so the, the, the sort of top line here is that 55 percent of people, more than half, say public schools are in worse shape than they were a few years ago. Just just nine percent of people say public schools are better. I, you know, when, when, when fewer than 10 percent think their kids schools are doing better than they were a few years ago. That is in incredibly telling. Just about half of people, 47%, say the education standards are too low. Now, that's where we were back in 2014, the last time the poll asked the question. But when you add that into the big question, and we talked with CJ Safer over at the Institute for Reforming Government on this, that when you, when, you, when you look and say, okay, who's in charge of curriculum? Who should be the ones that drive what our kids learn? A majority of Republican voters, 56 percent, almost a majority of independent voters, 43 percent, say parents. Moms and dads should be the ones who are responsible for raising those learning standards or or driving the discussion about what we teach kids. Because, again, remember, two thirds of kids in Wisconsin can't read or write at grade level. The big difference is that just nine percent of Democratic parents in the state of Wisconsin think that parents should be the ones who are in charge of curriculum. More than half think it should be teachers. And that steps off a whole other debate that with, with, with you know, 22 minutes and 21 seconds into this podcast, I don't think we have the opportunity to, to get, but, but the, you know, so much of the writing about the Marquette law law school poll first day across the state was about the horse race for governor. But when you dive into this, you see changing attitudes and, and changing attitudes on education is, is one of the biggest changes. And you know, as we saw in the, the governor's race in Virginia, it, school issues can, can, can become statewide issues very, very, very quickly. I've said it for years, Bruce. Or Government is real in cops and snowplows and public schools. And when you make public schools real for voters, they tend to get real angry. Well, yeah. And uh, you're, you're looking at a divisive art. Uh, curricula such as uh, CRT and uh, 
sexually explicit books that, um, well, you can't ban anything because banning things is banning and that's McCarthyism and that's, that's a terrible thing. And some parents are pushing back. You have the San Francisco school board recall and uh, that was huge. That, that was a, a tremendous rebuke to the whole uh, virtue signaling of what the school board was doing at that point in time. Maybe next week we'll write about what's going on in Eau Claire schools and secret gender policies and and the like. It gets it gets really really interesting really really fast when you when you see again you know two thirds of kids not where they should be not at grade level in reading or math or science and the focus out of many to borrow the generic term woke schools is not reading writing math it is it is gender issues it is sex issues it is anything but reading, writing, math. But again, like I said, you know, I've, 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 I've talked now for 20, 24, oh, 10, 11, 12, 13. I think it's time for me to shut up and let's get back to the questions. Well, I actually had a lunch and uh, took a nap. And uh, so it was great letting you uh, turn in, turn in on the, the Ben Yount machine and, and letting him spew forth. So thank you very much for all of your insights. So thank you so much, Ben, for uh, being here this episode of Wisconsin in Focus. And uh, you can read all the Center Square stories at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com. And you can listen to all the Center Square podcasts at americastalking.com. I'm Bruce Walker, Midwest Regional Editor for the Center Square. Ben and I will be back next week.